Hey guys, I'm Nick here with Tanner and Zach, and thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way, a podcast dedicated to sharing our passion for everything outdoors with listeners just like you. Whether it's talking about incredible trips we've been on, teaching you the best way to get your own adventure started, or talking with amazing guests about the incredible things they've done or places they've been. You can find it all here on the Voyager Way. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Voyager Way podcast. So today, Zach and I are going to talk through, um, kind of, this is going to be our maple syrup podcast. So we, I guess Zach probably knew right when we moved into this house, but it took him, um, or it took me a little bit from just to tell me that we had a big maple tree in our backyard. And so honestly, like a couple of days ago, he just asked if like I wanted to make maple syrup from the tree in our backyard. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So um, I also found out that Zach, you took a class in undergrad, right? Yeah. So funny you should mention that, um, when we came here to look at it, like when we were thinking about moving here, yeah. I, that was one of the first things I noticed. Really? <laughs> I was like, well, this is awesome. That's because I would tree. love to do this yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the spring. Um, because after I kind of started to do it, it was one of those things where like, I just enjoyed it so much that like, it'd be tough for me to not have access to do it every year. I think yeah. it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, when I was at St. John's, they have, um, it's like 3,000 some acres, I think if I remember correctly, of like an arboretum, they call it. So just a bunch of varieties of um, forests and trails and that kind of stuff for students as well as the public to enjoy. And part of that is what they call the sugar bush, which is basically just like a, a portion of the forest that's uh, mainly maple trees. Okay. So um, they do a lot of ma- making of maple syrup. And it actually started with them, uh, the monks in the monastery there back in like the World War II kind of time frame. Okay. There, there was a shortage of sugar in like the U.S. Yeah. And so they started to make their own sugar with like the maple sap. Really? Uh, and so that's kind of how it started. And then since then, it's been kind of an, a yearly tradition that they do in students and faculty and anybody else in the public can go and learn how to do it. And they have a festival every year, stuff like that. So, nice. um, so yeah, so I, I learned about it there kind of initially helping out with some of those things just for fun. And then my senior year, um, if you're in kind of like the biology kind of field of studies at St. Ben's, I think also, I think it's kind of open to anybody. You just need some prerequisites for it, okay. but they do a maple syrup class. It's only a one credit class and it just goes throughout basically March and April, the kind of time frame where you do maple syrup stuff. So it was really cool. Uh, I actually have one of my textbooks that we yeah, got yeah. <laughs> uh, right in front of me. And so, yeah, it, it was super cool. And it was very like hands-on. I got to talk a lot about it. And we're going to touch on a lot of the stuff that I learned throughout today's and Just a very practical class that you could take, like very yeah. transferable skills. And I think the coolest thing was like we just decided a couple of days ago that we want to do it. And then um, this is just like really in our wheelhouse of like the Voyager Way stuff that I, I was kind of telling talking to you about this yesterday, like, this stuff where it's so easy to do if you just like can have somebody explain it to you like how to right. do it right and then and like it, then you have homemade maple syrup just like right from your backyard if you have a maple tree or two in in your back and our maple tree is giant yeah um so I don't know how much you can get from like just a smaller maple tree or how big it has to get but we can we'll kind of get into that um, I think it's I think it would be really interesting to do a survey because I would be very curious to see how many people actually know where maple syrup comes from because i think most people see it as like the stuff you buy from the store yeah. which is 
Usually like, not. I don't know how they got that. But that's yeah. not even like <laughs> real maple syrup. I mean, depending on what store you go to, you can probably find the real maple syrup. But yeah. I think what most people associate as syrup is typically not syrup. Well, and past that, even if you go like one step further, they know people who know what a maple tree looks like. Yeah, and I will be yeah. the first to admit. I if you show me if you plot me in the middle of the forest and told me to pick out a maple tree, I probably couldn't yeah. do it. Honestly. Um, so even though I know kind of where the maple syrup comes from, it's just like, I would have no idea. I would have had no idea where to start. And just you kind of guiding me through this process of us doing it. It's so much more simple than I thought it would be. And Um, most people don't realize too, maple trees are very big or like very popular for people to plant more for like the aesthetics of it, because in the fall they have the super cool changing of the colors. And so if you drive around in a neighborhood, like if you know what a maple tree looks like, it's amazing to see like almost every yard has a maple tree yeah. of some sort. Yep. And so it, it's kind of funny because people refer to making maple syrup as kind of an untapped resource, yeah. quite literally. <laughs> okay, no pun intended. Um, yeah. Or pun intended. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. You don't see nearly as many people doing this um, when it's something that could be done so easily and most people have access to it. They just don't even necessarily realize it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like if you go to the store and you and you want to buy, because you can buy like local grown or harvested like honey and yep. syrup and all that kind of stuff. Like that's super expensive there. And I mean, with just, I, I we kind of went through the cost of it and we're going to make a video for a bunch of people to kind of be able to do this by themselves later and like tally up all the costs, but it's really not, you need like one of those metal taps to go into the tree and then you need a filter and then some way to kind of boil it down in like a bucket or two, but half that stuff probably have lying around anyway. So just the tap and the filter would really be all you need extra. And like that probably costs less than a bottle of like homegrown maple syrup yeah. anyway. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So as far as where we're at with kind of our maple, um, homemade maple syrup, experience right now we just we tapped the tree yesterday um twice and then we got like the bucket and we got the taps in there and so now all the maple um is it called maple sap maple tree yeah, sap right sap, now? Yeah. yeah which sap sounds like the sticky stuff that you just like hate to get on yourself when you're rubbing like rub against a tree or something right but that i we had if you guys saw our uh i guess this would be two days ago because we'll post this on monday so the, on Saturday we were, we tapped it and like the liquid that comes out of it was almost like the consistency of just water. And it was like super sweet and tasty, like just straight from the tree. Like it reminded me of coconut water, but like not that coconutty flavor, just like super sweet sugar water. So yeah. So the sap that comes from a maple tree is 98% water Oh, it is, and then 2% sugar basically okay that's and so yeah, yeah so it's sugar water yes yeah, okay okay anyway it just blew my mind that it could come it came straight out of the tree and i drank it and it was so good yeah so um, don't think of it like pine sap or something where it's like super sticky and yeah, thick no, like no, that because no. when it comes out it's literally water just water yeah but then okay. we'll talk about how it gets to the syrup point later. yeah so right so right now our buckets are full of that sap or water stuff um it's so now we're just waiting to kind of uh boil it down but we'll talk about that at the end here kind of give you a, a quick step-by-step process and then we'll also have that video too. So, um, Zach, do you kind of want to talk of, I know you want to touch on some of the history of maple syrup kind of, and I, I don't know if you're going to go into just North America kind of stuff or just specifically Minnesota, like what were, do you guys kind of learn, learn about that in your class? Yeah. So, I mean, the majority of its history is in North America. Some places around the world besides North America 
have kind of experimented and dabbled with it a little bit, but it's generally the U S and Canada that does a majority of it. Okay. Um, but I guess, I think for me, if I was learning about something like this, I'd be kind of just interested to hear about how it like became what it is. Yeah. And so, um, we kind of learned about how, um, the native Americans there, there's a lot of like folk tales, I guess, of different ways that, um, have been kind of passed down as far as how it was kind of, um, discovered, discovered. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think anybody necessarily exactly knows like who did it or yeah. when or that kind of thing. <laughs> Bill but, found it on this yeah, day and exactly. he figured it out. <laughs> but like the biggest thing is like, if you, um, like right now, if you'd be walking outside, assuming you knew what a maple tree looks like, or even if you don't, you might notice that some trees are like dripping, even though yes. it's not like it hasn't rained or anything like that. Yeah. And so, um, what people discovered was there'd be like these icicles hanging from trees, like just from a branch, which kind of looks kind of funny yeah. because you associate them on like a house or whatever it might be. And so there was uh, icicles hanging from these trees. And basically like if you took a bite out of it and ate it, you come to the realization that this is like sweeter than most Water. icicles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what people kind of discovered. And also just kind of like, if you boil it long enough, it, it keeps getting sweeter and sweeter. Yeah. And it's like, if you're cooking with it, all of a sudden you realize that your food is now a lot sweeter yeah, than what yeah, it normally yeah. would be. Huh. Okay. Um, and so, so yeah, so that was kind of, uh, the main thing was people just kind of discovered like sapsicles, I guess you could gotcha. call it, okay. um, coming from trees, but, um, relatively speaking, there hasn't been any like big new technological, advances i mean in some ways but like the same principles are the exact same they've just made it a little bit more efficient yeah so like what the native americans or like the first european explorers would do is they would take like a hatchet or an axe or something and create some type of like scar or hole in the tree and then they would put birch bark buckets essentially at the base of it and they would collect the sap like we do now yep, yep. in their own buckets and then instead of um, they didn't have um, necessarily always access to like metal containers or bowls or things to put on the fire to boil it off. Yep. So what they did was they had these birch bark containers and they would just put rocks in the fire to heat up the rocks super hot. Okay. And then they would take those out and put them in the sap and they would just keep putting oh. new ones in there and keep replacing them. And then eventually it would like the steam and everything would keep boiling off until yeah it was a sugar consistency left. Um, and I don't know the science behind this. I know I've done it before in like elementary science classes, but like if you have a fire and you take like a birch bark container, birch bark itself is very flammable, very flammable. but when it's filled with like the sap and water and you set it on the fire, it doesn't burn it. Really? And so that was also a way that they would do is they would boil it Just basically right the same there. way as a pot. Yeah. yeah. They would stick it on there. Um, and again, I don't remember exactly how that science works from, you've had to be way more specific about how much heat's coming off it and like how big it is yeah and, uh, concentrate yeah. it kind of right over yeah. it yeah so that was kind of a, a cool thing that i learned and i mean some of the newer things that um, i guess have changed is instead of us just boiling these like small pots of sap until you get little bits of syrup we now have these big evaporators that oh. are like industrial size so yep. you can you have more surface area and so it's a lot easier to boil off all of that extra water to create the um syrup and so and that might be a good segue to talk about like the ratios with all this yeah. kind of stuff so we have two five gallon drums 
hanging off the tree right now. Yep. But that's not going to make, even if they fill up, they're, that's not going to make five gallons or 10 gallons worth of syrup. You want to talk about like, this would be kind of a good transition to talk about the ratio for maple syrup. And then also people like, like me probably didn't know that you can make like, well, not maple syrup, but you can make syrup from other trees as well. Yeah. And the ratios kind of change. Yeah. So like you said, there's a lot of different trees that you can use to make syrup. Um, but every tree kind of has their own specific ratio. Um, and so what that has to do with is um, like for a, a maple tree, if you um, took out the sap, it has essentially like, like I said, it's 98% water, 2% sugar. Yep, and yep. some trees like a birch tree, you can make syrup out of that. But that is like 99% water, oh, it's 1% more water. sugar. Okay, that makes sense. And so that's why a sugar maple is called a sugar maple because it has the highest concentration of sugar within its sap. Gotcha. Um, and so the ratio, generally speaking, for like a maple tree is you would need to collect 40 gallons of sap or basically water. Yep. And then boil it down and you would end up with about one gallon of maple syrup okay so 40 to 1 for normal yep. maple trees okay and then gotcha. birch bark would have a ratio of 100 to 1 um, 100 gallons 100 Holy gallons crap. to 1 gallon yep and so as you can imagine birch syrup is a lot more expensive yeah because it's a lot more labor intensive <laughs> yeah um, but then other species there's some species it's called like butternut or walnut those those are actually closer to like a maple in about 40 to 1 ratio okay as well. nice um and then other species like... But they probably uh, taste different, don't they? Yep. So yeah. they all have kind of their own different flavors. So we got to try them when I was in the class. And you can buy them at stores too or even online. Um, yeah, they have their own very different, unique tastes, which yeah. is kind of cool. cool. Um, and I mean, nobody would ever think about like you could get your syrup from a birch tree. Yeah, Everybody yeah. just associates it with maple. Yeah. Um, and then some other species are like an ironwood. Um, that's another one that can make syrup. And then one that I found really interesting was like people will make syrup out of hickory trees, really? but they don't do it the typical way where you like tap it and get the sap out of it. But instead they take like the long strands of hickory bark. Okay. And then when they're basically cooking it, they're boiling in this hickory bark mixed with simple syrup and cane sugar. And then it gives it like a hickory flavor. Oh, okay. And gotcha. so they like, they don't do like the traditional way of doing it, but they give it the hickory flavor yep. that yep. way. So yep. kind of cool in a in different sense, but like the, the trees like birch and some of those that have a higher ratio where you need more sap um, to, to the sugar content, they now have these things. Um, I guess this is probably one of the better things that they've come up with over the years is it's called the reverse osmosis basically process. And so, essentially what it's doing is you filter all of your sap through this machine and it basically takes out a huge majority of the water. Okay. Yep. And so you're left with higher concentrated amounts of water. Yep. And so it takes like less than half the amount of time to, gotcha. okay. to boil it into the syrup. Um, and so that's just, yeah, it's been very efficient because people of that. Gotten, people gotten pretty good at it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess that might be a, a pretty good segue because especially one of the, the main reasons I don't buy a ton of syrup at the store is just because I'm like, hey, this is li like literally just sugar. You know what I mean? So, but then you kind of told me that you, what you guys learned in your class is that a lot of like, there's a lot more health benefits to, I guess, I don't know, but eating or like, because you said people even like, 
they kind of either make it in maple syrup or they even just sell the water as is because it tastes super good. And you said there might be more health benefits than people think to just like randomly, they, then people might think of it just being as like sugar, right? Just pure sugar. Um, so are there different like vitamins and minerals in it or how does that kind of work? Yeah. So, I mean, like if you go to the store and you would have like what most people consider syrup, yeah, like the, the very like thick corn syrup kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you took that and then compared it to like the natural maple syrup, you probably couldn't pronounce more than half of the ingredients on the artificial stuff. The artificial yeah. stuff. And then if you look at a maple syrup, it would just say maple sap. That's it. And yeah, and yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. And so uh, it's just one ingredient. And you can definitely taste the difference because I've had both. Yeah. And it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there was actually a study that they had done at one point um, on maple syrup. And they found that there were uh, basically like 54 pound, uh, compounds found in the syrup, um, like when they basically like broke it down. In the natural stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep. And five of them, uh, they weren't even found in any other foods. Really? So like there was like completely new. Yeah. Um, and so it has like a, a ton of antioxidant and okay. inflammatory properties. Anti-inflammatory. Yeah, anti-inflammatory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they, and they think that these properties can help with things like fighting cancer as well as um, preventing like diabetes and other bacterial illnesses that Dang. can kind of occur. So, um, yeah. And I know uh, this book is really cool because it has a lot of like those alternative uses that people will do um, with the, the sap and syrup. And so I'll just list kind of a bunch of the things that I thought were really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people will make like maple creams out of it, um, different types of candies, Obviously, if you keep boiling it down, it'll turn into maple sugar. Yep. Um, people will t just take like the sap and put it into like a carbonated machine and make maple soda. Really? Yeah. No way. And so um, you can do that. Um, people will make like maple balsamic dressing for salads. <laughs> uh, one of my personal favorites and um, something that I learned when I was out at school was if you have ice cream and then you put the syrup on top of that it is it's like a snow cone it's but it's so good. really yeah. oh my gosh especially if the syrup's like a little warm too yep. oh it's that so sounds good. super good <laughs> um, and then people make things like maple coffee and tea uh maple barbecue sauce oh, that maple tea is really good yeah oh gosh um yeah so that, that's just like a list of some of the uh, other things that people do with it so obviously it can be used in a wide variety of things people will even just like um you wouldn't do it with like pasta, but like, if you think about that, you could like replace the water with maple sap yep, and yep. use it in the exact kind of way. If you wanted whatever you're cooking in that to be like sweeter, yeah, yeah. it's like soups or like stews or like that kind of stuff could yeah. be made with that as an alternative to you could probably water. Like bake with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to have to get weird with yeah. stuff that we get. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that sounds like more than enough information and kind of benefits for people that I would assume be interested in kind of doing this themselves. Right. Um, so should we go over quick, just like a step-by-step, -step, just a super brief, cause we'll make a video of it. And there's like, a, I'm sure there's resources out there, but if you want to use this as a resource, just a, a pretty brief step-by-step -step process, um, to kind of get people who are listening to have a pretty good idea of what they could do. Um, so maybe I'll just go through it and kind of see if, like if I'm on the mark or where we're at here. Um, so it seems like after you buy the really only thing you need, need is to buy those taps from, and where did you say like runnings or mills fleet or where did you get the taps from? Yeah. Most of those like 
farm kind of stores, like Mills Fleet Runnings. Um, I'm sure even if you went to like a hardware store, they would have them. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of like a seasonal thing, like a garden section. Yeah. A lot of places have like a maple syrup section this time of year. So, or like Menards or yeah. Home Depot, places like that, I'm sure will have these resources. Otherwise, online. And, you, and you bought you bought a pack of how many for like how much? Like it wasn't that much. Right? Um, there was a pack of six and I think it was like... 10 to 15 dollars yeah. somewhere in there but they last like it's not like a one and done thing like, no you, you have can use them forever, forever. Yeah. yeah so you take this um what we did is zach went and bought um the little guess you just lost the word taps the taps um and they just bought some five gallon buckets and, and we, we drilled a hole that was not straight into the tree but it was at an incline kind of or not i don't know if an incline is the right word a very slight upward angle. Yeah, very slight upward angle towards the sky. So then like it would drip down. Um, and then we tapped the tap into the tree. Um, and this doesn't hurt the tree, right? No. So yeah, you, you want to drill about two to three inches into the tree. Um, and depending on the type of day, you might, you probably will see the sap starting to flow out as soon as the drill goes in there. Yeah. Um, and as the, the kind of like uh, sawdust, I guess you could say, comes out of the tree, you'll notice that those should be wet as well. If they're dry, then I would maybe give it a day or two just to see if the sap is kind of just starting or something yeah. like that. Otherwise, you might have to find a different place in the tree because there are like dead spots in the tree where the sap won't always run. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I would also look around your tree because like in our tree, for example, we didn't expect there to be any holes, but we ended up finding some holes that had healed from years prior. And so kind of the rule of thumb for that is if you have drilled before, so say you're going to do it again the next year, or if you have a tree where people had done it in the past, if you take your hand and put it next to the hole, it should be at least like your hand width away. And then same if you put your hand on top of it. So like a hand length all the way around that hole is where you want to kind of avoid because that would kind of be a dead spot almost or where the tree is like still working on healing. Yeah, so you yeah. want to move away from that. Gotcha. Um, and we kind of picked a spot that was getting hit by the sun more, right? Yeah. Cause that'll warm it up and then get the sap kind of flowing more. Yeah. So generally the south side of the tree will warm up the quickest because that's where the sun's going to be most of the day. Yep. And so if you can find it on that side, that's best. Um, and I would also like try to drill it at probably like your hip height somewhere in there, hip to chest somewhere in between there. That's probably a good height to drill it at. Um, but yeah, after the season, when you pull out your tap, you don't want to put like any sticks or anything in there to like try to fill it up for the tree. Yeah. Um, Cause I guess the best analogy I can think of is like, if you have like a blister or a cut, you don't necessarily want like a bandaid on it at all times. You want to let it dry out and heal. And yep. so that's essentially what the tree is doing is it's trying to like flush out any bad bacteria or anything that might be in it. And it'll just kind of naturally heal itself that way. Whereas if you put like sticks and that kind of stuff into it, it'll essentially trap that stuff into the tree and it gotcha. can cause diseases. And so that it stuff. can, it can handle itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and we, we probably should have started with, cause you can't do this all year round, right? There's only right. a certain time of the year that works. Um, do you, do you know when's like the best time or when to kind of tell? Yeah. So this time of year, it, it we'll, we'll talk about Minnesota cause that's where I'm assuming most of our listeners will be living um, yeah. or familiar with. And so for Minnesota it's typically, like mid-March to mid-April is typically the best time. It depends every year based on the weather. 
Because what you're looking for is you need days that are above freezing during the day, and then they have to get below freezing at night. And so basically what that's doing in simple terms, we won't necessarily go into all the biology of it, yeah. but it's essentially just creating a vacuum or like a, a suction that is um, creating pressure that will essentially push out all of the um, sap with the sugar and that kind of stuff in it once there's the hole drilled into the the tree gotcha okay. um, and so you'll know when the season's done um, because if you look at the the branches of the tree you'll notice that the buds will start to bloom and you'll also notice if you look in your bucket that the sap will start to be like a milky color okay and essentially what's happening is the tree is now using the sap and it's now has other things included in the sap to um push towards like creating the new leaves for yeah, the year okay. and so the sap starts to become kind of undesirable for syrup and um, you'll notice that like i said it'll be milky colored and your trees will start to bud out as they say okay so just to kind of recap quick if you're looking to do this it's between mid-march to mid-april you want it to be above freezing during the day below freezing at night and you want when you drill a hole at an upward angle on the south side of the tree you want it to be clear when it, the sap to be clear when it comes out of the tree and if you get later into April and it starts to get milky, then the season's done. Yep. And there's probably buds on the tree already. Yep. Cool. So, so right now we're at the process where we have the taps in and our buckets are filling up. Um, and then once the bucket buckets get full, Zach, you just bought like some kind of filter paper type stuff like mesh. And we're just going to filter that sap um, through the mesh. And then we're going to boil it down pretty much to syrup consistency. And we kind of talked about this. And then you're, you're for the most part done, but we talked about – there's a something you can buy that will tell you what percentage of your kind of mixture is sugar and what percentage is water to get to the best consistency, even though you'll probably start to get a pretty good idea once it gets looking more and more like syrup, um, like regular syrup does and gets kind of the consistency. But do you want to talk about that little doohickey that you can use? Yeah. So now you have the sap uh, buckets filled and we have like a filter. Um, and you can buy like specific maple syrup filters. Otherwise you can get filters for like, uh, pouring like oil and grease through if you're cooking other things. Yeah. And so just putting that filter like in a funnel and then, uh, putting all that sap through, um, on the buckets, I'd recommend putting some like cap or something on them so that sticks and branches or other bugs and stuff don't fall into the sap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's another reason why you're filtering it right away is to get that stuff out of it. And so. Um, then you can put that um, either on your stove in your house or I would prefer if you had like a propane burner. stove or burner outside. Yeah. That's probably best. Otherwise, the inside of your house might get a little sticky like up by the microwave or like wherever <laughs> the, the steam is kind of going to. Um, and so, so, yeah, so you start boiling it down and you'll notice that as you're boiling it down, the syrup or the sap will start to get more of like the darker, like golden color that yeah. you know as syrup. And so it's essentially just getting rid of all of that water and just leaving with that concentration of sugar. And so once it gets down to uh, what, what we do is uh, when it's burning outside, we'll put like a spoon in the sap and when you like lift it up and then let it drip off, once it kind of starts to like not drip so much like water, but more of like the sticky kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, consistency, then we'll bring it inside because um, it'll be a lot less. Um, and we found that it just is a lot quicker to do it outside on a burner. And then we like to fine tune it inside yeah, um, yeah. The, the stove because you can adjust the temperature a little bit easier. Um, 
And so what we use, um, there's a couple different ways you can do it depending on how like close you want to make it. If you don't care that much, you're just kind of experimenting and you just want to do it for fun. You can basically just do a test where you have like your spoon, like I said, dip it in there and just let it fall off. And when it becomes like a syrupy consistency that you desire, then you can kind of turn you can it just off. taste it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. taste it to. It's that. probably not going to taste bad regardless, but yeah, yeah. it's just how thick you want it probably. Yeah. yeah. And so it'll be runnier, obviously, when it's so hot. Yeah. And so just keep in mind that as it cools, it'll become more of like the syrup consistency yeah okay cool. um but what we're going to use is what's called a hydrometer and it's essentially um it's a syrup hydrometer and so you take like a little uh stainless steel tube that you can fill up with the syrup and then you put this hydrometer it kind of looks like a thermometer basically okay and you put it in there and what it does is it's measuring the um water content uh, no um what is the word i'm looking for uh, it's basically like it'll float because of the high concentrations of sugar. And okay. so it tells you the buoyancy, the, yeah, the buoyancy okay. basically. And so, uh, it'll tell you essentially how much sugar is in your syrup and to have maple syrup, the, the kind of percentage that you want is 66.7% sugar. Okay. And so on these, um, uh, no, I lost the word for that. Hydrometer. Hydrometer. Thank yep. you. Um, on those, there'll be two different scales. So there's a scale that you can use if the syrup's cold to put it in. Cause like I said, the syrup will be a thicker consistency when it's colder. So yep. you use that scale for that. Or if you take it off the um, stove, then uh, you use the hotter scale. Um, Cause it'll be more um, fluid like. And so depending on which method you're doing, you use that. And there's basically a line that'll tell you when you've reached that point. Um, and actually one thing that I forgot that you could do if you don't have a hydrometer, but maybe you have like one of those um, thermometers for like turkeys or like oh, those yep. kinds of things. Yep. Um, if you put that into your syrup or your sap while it's boiling inside, basically the rule of thumb is that syrup is finished when it is seven degrees above the boiling temperature of water. Okay. So when it reaches 219 degrees Fahrenheit, then that would be considered oh, syrup. Oh, okay. That's very doable. Then. Yeah. Okay, so you cool. don't even need the hydrometer. The hydrometer is probably going to be more accurate, which is yep. why most people would use that. If they're super serious about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but you can definitely get by with just a cooking thermometer. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so after you've done that, then what you want to do is filter it again while it's really hot because it'll go through the filter much easier. It'll go through it like water as opposed to like trying to put honey through a filter and yeah. take forever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so then you want to filter it again into whatever jar or container that you're going to be using it for. Um, and another reason why you do this is throughout that boiling process, um, essentially all of the minerals and stuff that are in the sap start to become concentrated and okay. they turn into what's called nitre or sugar sand. And so if you like look at, like if you didn't know this at all and you made your syrup and you set it in a jar and then set it in your cupboard, if you came to it a, a while later after everything's settled, you'd notice that it almost looks like there's sand on the bottom of your jar. Really? And so it's essentially the minerals and stuff are um, solidifying yep. and then they turn into what it looks like sand Yeah. and they'll settle. And so that's why you want to filter it again to get out those particles so that it'll be as clear as possible basically. Yeah. Um, and another thing that helps, it's more of a tedious thing, but if you are like essentially taking off the foam as it's boiling, that's where the sand comes from. Is oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So just another thing to keep in mind, that stuff is 
totally edible, but yep. like if people are more of a perfectionist and they don't want that kind of look in their syrup, yeah. then you can filter it out again. Gotcha. Um, but if you have it in there, there's, and you don't want to do anything, it's totally fine. You can eat you it. Can eat it. Yeah, there's that's nothing, deal. yeah. There's nothing bad about it. Um, nice. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get, I feel like. Um, and we'll definitely, I know we hit, you posted a snap story yesterday or Instagram story, sorry. Um, and we'll kind of keep posting stuff as we do it. And then we'll, we'll kind of throw together a little montage video of the process of us doing it. So you can kind of see, um, kind of see us do it in person. Uh, it's probably maybe a little bit easier than over this podcast, but hopefully that gave you guys a pretty good idea of how simple it is. Honestly, as long as you have a couple, like just the tap and a drill, um, you can get the sap out of the tree and then you just, it's just a matter of boiling it down. And that's literally it. Um, could save you a ton of money ton of health benefits um and just another reason to get outside and kind of do some cool stuff yeah because i mean all all you're doing right away is you just put the hole in the tree put the tap and then you just wait for the sap to come out which yeah. is what we're doing right now and then after that then you do the, the boiling for a little bit and so it's not even that much work to do no. in yeah. all honesty i mean once you start adding a lot more taps and that kind of stuff and you have to check hundreds of trees for buckets of sap then it's a yeah. lot of work but but if you just want some like homegrown, I don't know about homegrown, but yeah, <laughs> home harvested yeah. maple syrup, like for the family. Like I think it's, a, it's super doable. Yeah. Um, One thing that um, I'll also mention real quick, and if people want to maybe compare their syrup, if they do decide to make it. So there is like a, a worldwide kind of known scale as far as um, like more prized syrup versus like the less desirable stuff. Okay. And so it's kind of based off of color. And so um, there's uh, a grading system basically. And so for grade A, there's uh, four different, um, I don't know what, what the right word for that would be, like stages, I guess you could say. Okay. And so if you have, um, and, and it's graded basically if you hold it up to the light and the color that it gives off. So yep. you could maybe notice like, Rook beer color would be very dark as opposed to like a honey color would be really light. Yep. The more the most desirable color is like a golden light color because okay. that has um it was basically boiled like the perfect amount of time and gotcha. taken off, and so it has like the perfect amount of sugar and everything. Yep. Whereas the darker stuff was boiled longer and it'll have more of a like smoky flavor, like a darker flavor to okay. it. Cool. Although most people tend to not prefer eating the lighter stuff yeah. as much as like more towards the, dark, the darker yeah, side. Okay. And so your, your golden delicate um, <laughs> taste is the, the first grade. The amber rich is the second. Okay. The dark robust taste is the third. <laughs> and then the very dark strong taste is the fourth. <laughs> that's what it's called. Yeah. That's what very it's called. dark strong taste. And so there's like a percentage to that. Um, basically, um, through light transmittance. So again, there's like a percentage, like if 75% of the light goes through, oh, then yeah. it would be the gold delicate okay. taste kind of, and gotcha. so it kind of goes on through that. So yeah. if you're really curious where your syrup aligns in where there, ranks on there, yeah. yeah, you can look <laughs> up like the maple syrup um, kind of scale for flavor intensity and all of that. And you can see if it's on the more desirable side or if it's on the darker side. Yeah. And then definitely, if you guys are doing this kind of stuff, definitely send us some pictures I and mean, we will have, um, this kind of stuff posted and kind of show you what ours looks like and how it compares. 
Um, we'd love to hear from you guys and see how it goes. Yeah. On top of that, if you have a question about what a maple tree looks like, uh, we'll try to put some links in our post so you can maybe have a reference. But if you are not sure, feel free to send us a message and we can let you know if it is a maple tree or not. Yeah. Huge. Um, all right. Perfect. I think that'll kind of wrap up for us today. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode. We hope you have a great rest of your day and God bless. Thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way podcast. Follow us on social media at the Voyager Way for more content from all our outdoor adventures and plenty of how-to videos to get you started on some adventures of your own.